Welcome back to Axiom Youth Podcast. This is a continuation of our series on 1 Corinthians. This lesson is entitled Your Resurrection Part 2, taught by Brother Jared Turner. We hope you enjoy. I want to come back to this because I didn't get to teach everything I wanted to teach last week. Um, we're going to look at, begin reading at verse number 45. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 45. And so we are talking, uh, this is um, your resurrection part two. Your resurrection part two is what our lesson is going to be titled today. And so verse 45, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, it's on the screen. So it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So we need to talk about this word quickening, because that's kind of what I want to emphasize today, uh, the quickening spirit. Um, this is very, very important, and the reason why I wanted to reemphasize this is because oftentimes the church and uh, people that have faith are told that their only value is what they can give in this life. When I went to college, people were okay with me being a Christian as long as all I meant by being a Christian was that I gave food to poor people and that I, you know, did community service, and I cleaned up parks. They're perfectly fine with that kind of Christianity, right? That kind that's just like goes to the homeless shelter and dips up soup. But the minute you start talking about eternity or about life after this life, then people start getting really nervous on you, and, and they don't really want to talk about it, and they really don't want to deal with it. So they're fine with your faith as long as it's limited to community activism. And we see all kinds of preachers in our culture today that the only thing they preach is community activism. Right? Al Sharpton comes to mind. The man does not believe in Jesus Christ. He does not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He does not believe you have to receive the Holy Ghost. He does not believe in heaven. He does not believe in hell. But he is called reverend, and he wears a suit, and he says you need to get out there and be in the community. Right? And I'm, I'm not saying that you, you don't need to be involved in the community. Right? But that's just not what Christians are only about. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. So we do bless people that we are around. We should be kind. We should be consistent in our life. We should live in holiness and righteousness before the Lord. But that's not all that we are about. And if that's all that we are about, then we are really, we might as well do something else. Because there's a lot of people that do a lot of good for this world and do a lot of good for the people around them. Right? And they do it without God. And they do it without Christianity. And there are plenty of kind people. But see, that's not what we are about. So I don't want you to be ignorant. And I don't want you to think that that's all that this is about. That that's all that is at stake when we try to get you to come. And we try to get you to pray. And we try to get you to receive the Holy Ghost. It's not just because we believe that this is the best life to live. Although we do. But if that's all there was, then we wouldn't try so hard. Because if all we're going for is 80 years where you won't have a lot of heartache, you know, that's, it's really not worth our effort. Because, you know, even when you live for God, there's going to be hard days. 
Even when you live for God, there's going to be some heartache. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some setback. There's going to be some trouble. So we really wouldn't go through all this trouble, right? We wouldn't really throw a fall retreat, right, to really try to help you. And, and, just, and to have fun is okay, but there's other ways that we could have fun, right? So it's not just about that. It's not just about... Uh, everything that we do, uh, youth services and, and outings and HYC, it's not just to have fun. It's not just to make your life better. There is this thing called the quickening spirit. This, 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 this last Adam it talks about. And so what this, and this is a principle I want to introduce to you, and I need you to put your thinking caps on. How many of you have ever heard of Adam and Eve? Right, Adam and Eve. So this is what... The Bible is referring to Adam and Eve. And the first Adam was, who was Adam? Who was he? The first man to ever live, right? So after Adam came all of life. All that there was to life is, was, came from Adam, right? And so, but this verse says that there was another Adam, that there was a second Adam. And this is a, a theology that's very basic to Christianity. And the second Adam was Jesus Christ, because he was the first man to live a new spiritual life. And Jesus only lived 33 years, and we talked about it in our leadership small group, that he was acquainted with suffering, and that his life was not the most healthy lifestyle. He never had a home. He never had a place really to lay his head. He just kind of roamed around. His, he, maybe he didn't have that great of sleep patterns or his diet wasn't great. And he died at 33 years old. His life was nothing much according to this life. But he was starting something new because he rose from the dead. That's, how many of you ever been to an Easter service, right? That's why we make such a big deal about Easter, because Jesus rose from the dead to show that we will also rise from the dead. And I don't, I, I feel sometimes that, and it, it, that we get a little distracted by the the trappings of Christianity, right? The, the ways that it makes your life better, because it does, I promise. There's no better life to live than a life for Jesus Christ. But I do not want you to miss it. I do not want you to think, all right, Brother Jared, I hear you, but I want to choose this other path. And it'll work out okay in the end because I have friends that choose the other path. And yeah, it may be a little difficult. And yeah, they may go through some things and some hardships. But you know what? It's really not that big a deal. I want to tell you, it is a big deal. Because if you choose another path, the consequences are bigger than you could even imagine. I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to say it plainly. Because if I don't say it plainly, I will be held accountable. Right? I'm not just trying to get you to be a nice person. I'm trying to help you be saved. I'm trying to help you get and keep and hold on to that quickening spirit. Because there is a day coming when you, that spirit and whether or not it lives inside of you will be the only thing that matters. It will be the only qualification that counts. It will be the only thing that you wish that you had. And when you understand this, stories like the parable Jesus tells about the pearl of great price where a man sells everything that he owns to obtain one 
pearl that is very costly. And it doesn't make sense to us. Literally everything that you own, your home, your cars, every, every Xbox, every PlayStation, every article of clothing except something to put on your body to buy one thing. It doesn't make sense unless you understand the resurrection. Unless you understand that when that trumpet sounds, your house will not save you. Your money will not save you. Your degrees will not save you. Your profession will not save you. Your basketball skills will not save you. Your beauty and your perfect skin will not save you. Nothing will save you but the quickening spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that when that trumpet sounds, you have to have that spirit if you're going to walk in the newness of life. We talk about the newness of life as a lot of times as just having a better attitude and just, you know, being kinder and being sweeter and not fighting with your siblings so much and all that. And, and really the Holy Ghost does that for people. I believe that. But I'm talking about a true new life after this life has passed away that you can walk in the newness of life. Literally in another world, in another dimension, in the resurrection. That is a fundamental doctrine of Christianity and it is one that is not popular. You will not go to college and hear the resurrection taught. You will hear justice and peace and all that stuff and everybody wants that, but nobody wants to talk about the resurrection. But I believe in the resurrection. And if you're going to believe in the Bible and if you're going to be a Christian, you have to believe in the resurrection. There's no other way. You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. There's no way to be just a community activist Christian. There's no way just to be kind of like I'm a good person type Christian. I'm a Christian that you know, I like to you know, volunteer type Christian. That's really not a Christian if you don't believe that Jesus is coming again. And that when He comes again, you've got to have the Holy Ghost in your heart or you will not be a part of what He is doing. That quickening spirit, the spirit that makes alive. The spirit that brings life out of death. But they go on to, Paul goes on to talk about it in verse 46. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Meaning Adam came first, right? You were born in the physical before you were ever born in the spiritual. And afterward, that which is spiritual. Because we all know the natural dies off, but the spiritual lasts forever. Everyone that is alive was born in the natural, but not everyone that's born in the natural will be born again in the, spirit, in the spiritual realm of the supernatural that will last forever. This life will end. It will stop short. It will not go on any further. You will get old if you are lucky. Some people die young, but you will get old. Or Jesus will come back before you die. And that's when in Thessalonians it talks about there are two laying in a bed. One is taken and the other left because one had the spirit and one didn't. Two plowing in the field and one is taken and another left because one prepared for the life after and another one didn't. One had the Holy Ghost and another one didn't have the Holy Ghost. That's why it's so important that you get the Holy Ghost. That's why we emphasize that. It's not just because it will make your life better. I, can't, I really can't stress that enough. It will, but it's not the reason why we push for it. 
It's not the reason why we plead for you to pay attention and to worship and to come to the altar and to lift up your hands. It's not just for control. It's not just for good manners. It's not just for because it's our culture. It's because you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost anywhere. But most of us have received the gift of the Holy Ghost when we came to a church service where we were kind of forced to put aside the distractions of this life. We were kind of forced to put aside our phones and the things that we are watching and we are kind of pressured a little bit into turning our life to Him and then all of a sudden God begins to get a hold of you and begins to draw you and then all of a sudden you feel something come over you and that is that quickening spirit. That is that life. That is that touch. That is that power that will make you alive when He comes back. You have got to have the Spirit inside your heart. You have got to have the Spirit inside your heart. It is a non-negotiable. It is not possible to be saved without the power of the Holy Ghost. As Verse 48 says, As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. Meaning that if you all you are is just of this earth, you will have no part in heaven. That's literally what that means. And we live with crazy theology where people, everybody's going to heaven. That's literally what people believe, that everybody's going to heaven. And at every funeral, you hear about rolling into the arms of Jesus. And now there is no pain. And now there is no heartache. And now there's just fluffy clouds and bliss. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Because they that are earthly die with the earth. And they return to dirt. And there is no quickening spirit. And there is no power. And there is no anointing. And they are not even able to understand the heavenly. Because you have to be born again to be able to enter into the heavenly realm. Those who have never been born have not partaken of life. Just under, Those that are not born have not been partaken of life. They are not living because they were never born. They were never conceived. They were never created. The same is true of you if you have not been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. You have not been created in the kingdom of heaven. So when that roll call is made, that's why you sing a song, when the saints go marching in, how I want to be in that number. And everybody loves to sing that song. And they sing it in New Orleans, drunk out of their mind while they walk into the football game. But that's not what it's talking about. It's I want to be in that number. I want to be a heavenly being because I have been born again. And you will not be in that number if you have not been born again. If you have not switched over from earthliness to spiritual life. You won't be there. I can't stress it enough. You will not make it unless you receive the power of the Spirit. Because you've got to have that transformation into a heavenly thing. All as, and as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood 
listen to me, cannot, cannot, absolutely no way inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption, which means death, inherit eternal life. Just because you die does not mean you will go to heaven. Does not mean you will live a new life. Does not mean you will rise again. We say it, I hope I never say it, but people say it to comfort one another. Well, they've gone on to be with Jesus, and sometimes it is a flat-out lie. Maybe they don't know it, but it's a lie. Because if you, just because you die, does not mean you're going to live again. Does not mean you're making it to heaven. Because flesh and blood cannot, I said cannot, inherit the kingdom of God. This is a fundamental biblical doctrine. This is a fundamental idea. This is a fundamental thing. That the flesh and blood can not, can not inherit the kingdom of God. It absolutely cannot. Verse number 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in, the, in a moment. This is where, primarily where we draw the doctrine of the rapture. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. It, in that moment, at the last trumpet, at the last moment of this life, if you have died with the power of the Holy Ghost inside your heart, you will be changed. But if you have died in corruption, if you have died in your flesh, if you have just lived and just died, you will not be raised in that moment. You will stay in the grave until that second resurrection when everyone will be raised, but not to new life, Brother Caleb, but to what the Bible calls the second death. The doctrine of the second death. It's certainly not what anybody wants to hear about. You will get cold stares if you try to tell people about this, which is why sometimes I think we refrain from preaching about it. And we refrain from talking about it sometimes because we want visitors to feel welcomed. But at some point, you've got to let people know that just like there is new life, just like there is a second life, there is a new death. There is a new death that will be more powerful than the first death. There will be a death and there will be an eternity spent in death that's not just like forgetting things exist, but the Bible says that it is like a fire that cannot be quenched. Where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I want you, I, I'm not trying to preach a hell message today, but I'm just trying to plainly teach you that the, there are only two choices. 
There is only death and there is only life. There is only corruption and there is only incorruption. You cannot have down the middle. You cannot split right down the middle. You cannot have this kind of your cake and eat it too. Ever heard that phrase when you're trying to diet? And they sell this diet pill, right? And it says you can have your cake and you can eat it, right? Because most diets, you can look at the cake, but you just have to throw it away, right? You can get a big slice of cake, but you got you to gotta just go to the trash and dump it in. That's how you diet. But there's always these diet pills, right? That if you just sprinkle this little powder on that cake, you can eat as big a piece as you want and you will be so skinny, right? And that's where we all want to be. We want to do what we want to do and we want to get the results that we want to get. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. There are only two choices. There's only two choices. And it's, it is up to you which side you fall on. And the division is very simple. Those that have the Spirit and those that do not have the Spirit. Those that have been born again and those that have not been born again. We're going to turn to Romans chapter number 8. And we're going to look at, I think we're going to start at verse number 9. Then This is it, I'm closing. Verse, yeah, read it, Brother Caleb. Verse number 9. He has none of his. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, this is, it does not say if any man does not believe in Christ, he is none of his. You can believe that Jesus is Lord all day long. The devils believe and tremble. They believe. They believe that he's real. They know that he's real. And they will spend an eternity away from him because they have not received the quickening spirit. You have got to receive the Spirit of God in your life. Because if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. That's why you have got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And listen, I know we say things like, you've got to have the Holy Ghost to be on the praise team. And you've got to have the Holy Ghost to be involved in the media or to play an instrument. I understand. You know, the reason we say that is because we are pushing people to know. And we do not want people to get comfortable with not having the Spirit. Because we believe this. This is our doctrine. But that is not why we want you to have the Holy Ghost. Just so that you can get on the praise team. That is why we have to be so careful that when we go down and we pray for people. And when you go and you pray at conferences and people pray for you, you better make sure that you do not let anybody tell you that you got the Holy Ghost if you know that you didn't. Because it will not matter what the preacher says. I bless you in Jesus' name and receive ye the Holy Ghost. And it does not matter what kind of stuff comes out of your mouth that you made up because in the moment you want to receive the Holy Ghost or if somebody stands from a platform and says at the sound of my voice everyone will receive the Holy Ghost if you know in your heart that you did not receive the Holy Ghost you better pray until you get the real thing because when the trumpet sounds it will not be my word that saves you but it will be that spirit and it really needs to live on the inside of you 
You need to make sure that you have that power. You need to make sure that you have that spirit. And let me tell you, as somebody that was told that I had the Holy Ghost when I didn't, the power of God is so real, and it is so true, and it is so pure, and it is so clean that you will know instantly when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There will be no doubt in your mind. You will not have to say, well, maybe I got it, or I think I got it. You will not have to listen to yourself speak in other tongues and understand what you are saying, but you will feel at the moment that the power of God touches you because He is giving you, the Bible says, the first fruits of the gospel. He is giving you a taste of what it will be like when the trumpet sounds and when the dead is called to life and all of a sudden your body begins to change like His body changed in that tomb and you will come up a new creature in Him. I'm not talking about just a new attitude. I'm talking about literally a new body. A new name, Revelation says, that there is a name written in the Lamb's book of life, and it is not Jared Turner. But there is another name that God has given me that I do not know. My mother gave me that name, and my father gave me my last name. But that is not my name. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, you will receive a white stone, and upon that stone will be your eternal name written there that God gave you when you were born again because you have ceased to become a child of this world. When the the day I got the Holy Ghost at nine years old, I was adopted, and I was no longer just the child of Jeff and Rochelle Turner, but Jesus Christ adopted me. And so he renamed me a name that I do not know yet. A name that I have yet to see. But that name, whatever it is. And see, no preacher knows that name. No minister, no prophet, no spooky person knows that name and can write that name in the Lamb's book of life. But there is one that knows that name. It is the God Almighty. It is Jesus Christ that knows that name. And he is the one that writes it in his book. So you've got to make sure that you receive the power of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to receive it at church. People have received the Holy Ghost in their car. People have received the Holy Ghost in their home. People have received the Holy Ghost in prison. It's wherever your heart is. And you open it up to God. And you say, Lord, I've got to have the Spirit. I've got to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And the moment you desire it, the moment you're ready to walk away from your sin... The moment you say, I'm ready to be a kingdom of that heavenly kingdom. I'm, not, I'm tired of this earth and all things that are earthly. And it looks good to me. It looks good to me to be a part of the kingdom of God. Because everybody that is in the kingdom says, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. That's the feeling that you have to have. And as a young person, it can be difficult sometimes because you want you have a bunch of life ahead of you that you want to live. But I promise you, the longer that you live and the longer you see that this life is empty, that there really is no obtainment, that there really is no rest, it doesn't matter how much money you get or how good your job is, the bills still come, the sicknesses still come, life still happens, family drama still happens, and you realize that the only way to get out of this is if I prepare myself for another kingdom, if I prepare myself for another land, a land that is beautiful, a land where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache that's why we're living and that's why you've got to have the Holy Ghost you've got to receive the power of the Spirit Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said unless you are born again you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven and Nicodemus said how can I who am old be born again he thought he meant 
physical. Jesus said it's not physical. It's spiritual. Born again of the water and of the spirit. That's why the plan of salvation matters. That's why this Acts 2.38 message matters. That's why when they looked at the apostles and they said, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? What must we do? That's why they didn't look at them and say, just believe. Because they believed in that moment, but there was more that they had to do. They knew Jesus was real at that very moment, but they were not saved. What must we do? What must we do? See, all of a sudden right there, they pushed away the flesh. They pushed away just being involved in the earthly things. And the Bible says they were pricked in their heart. And they saw that there was something else coming. And they wanted to be a part of it. What must we do? That's when he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's why we talk about that. That's why you hear Acts 2.38 all the time. That's why we try to get you to memorize it. It's not just because it's our little thing that we do. And it's just apostolics. We like Acts 2.38. It's our favorite scripture. No, it is the plan of salvation. It is the plan of salvation. It is the only way to stop being earthly and to become heavenly. It is the only way to stop being corruptible and become incorruptible. That's why every time there's a president of the United States that says, I'm going to end corruption in politics, he is mistaken. Because corruption will never end in this life. Because we in ourselves, in our flesh, in our attitudes are corruptible. Every one of us have a price. Doesn't matter how much you say you believe something. If enough money was shoved under you, you would probably walk away from it. Everybody is corruptible. That's why you've got to be born again. Because when you taste of the heavenly gift, your faith can fail. Your thoughts can fail. What you think you know, you can unlearn. But see, when you taste that gift of the Spirit, it is so real to you. And it keeps you. And it seals you, the Bible says, until the day of Jesus Christ. It convinces you that this is real. There is no teaching that I can teach that can convince you that it's real. But if you get the Spirit, you will know that it's real. You will understand what I'm talking about. And you will not understand what I'm talking about unless you receive the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why you must get the real thing. That's why you've got to pray until the Spirit comes. That's why we've got to have youth services where the Spirit moves. That's why it's not good enough just to pay attention, but you've got to engage your heart because we need the Spirit to move. That's why I can't just prepare a lesson and just get some thoughts on paper, but I've got to prepare my heart because we need the Spirit to move because that's the only thing that works. It's the only thing that draws people out of this earth. I don't care how poor or how wealthy you are. Everybody needs to be drawn out of this earth. Even if you're a good family person and you got beautiful things all around you and your home is immaculately clean and you're healthy and good, everything's in order, you will still die. And if you die without the Spirit, you are a part of corruption and you will not be raised to life. But if you are just somebody, rich, poor, fat, black, white, skinny, tall, red, yellow, black and white, we're all precious, in his side, you know that little song that we sing? I'm talking about literally everybody. Everybody. 
Because the Spirit can change any life. That's why the biggest mission fields are Pentecostal mission fields. That's why we are outpacing the Catholic Church three to one in Latin America. People don't care about a cathedral when they live in a hut. But they care about the power of the Spirit. But they care about an anointing that says you can have something different. Not to make this life better. They still have to return to their huts. They still have to return where there's no economic prosperity. There's no money. There's nothing. But they've got a new life. And they know that someday that trumpet's going to sound. And those people can say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And woe to us who sit in our sealed houses, the Bible says. Our beautiful things, our entertainment, our YouTube, our Playstations. And we think, don't come now, Lord. Come later. The Bible talks about those are the folks that are going to be caught off guard. Because when Jesus comes back, he's only coming back for people that are watching for him. That are looking for him. Not folks that put it off. And say, I'll get the Holy Ghost later. I'll live for God later. That's why we teach personal devotion. Because the Bible very clearly teaches that you can forsake God. Even after you receive the Holy Ghost. Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world. You've got to live in the Spirit. You've got to walk after the Spirit. I want you to bow your head. I want to pray for you. I'm finished. God, I thank you for this group of young people that are here. God, I know, Lord, that you have a plan for every one of their life. And God, we commit as a youth group, we commit as a youth staff, we commit as a church, Lord, that we will reemphasize the necessity of having the gift and the anointing of the Holy Ghost on every life. Because it's not good enough, Lord, for us to be good people. Because we are still corruptible. We are still part of this earth. But God, we've got to have the Spirit. We've got to have the anointing. We've got to have that quickening spirit in our life so that when that trumpet sounds, we can be raised to life. God, it is my duty to preach this message. And Lord, I pray that the hearers would receive it. And God, I pray for every young person that does not have the gift of the Holy Ghost, that they would begin to desire the Holy Ghost. And I pray for every young person that has allowed the gift to grow cold in their life and that they have waned from serving you and that they have loved this present world that will die away, that will pass away. I pray that you would quicken their heart and that you would pull them back to a place of consecration and a place of prayer and a place of worship and a place of repentance, God, where we can empty ourselves of those distractions and where we can be filled once again with your spirit. God, I pray that you would touch these young people. I pray that you would go with them. I pray that you would fill each and every one of them with the power of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I give you praise and I give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Some, I know it's a serious moment and you know, I'd, I'd rather not
I'd rather not preach so serious, but when you deal with this topic, it's hard not to be serious. When you really deal with it, when you really think about it, 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 it that's, that's where the burden comes from. That's where you talk about carrying a burden for people, for the lost. Because when you understand what it means to be lost, it's not just, yeah, I wish they could have a better car and a better life and a better relationship with their mom. I do wish that. But I want them to be saved. I want you to be saved. The thought of somebody being lost is excruciating. And we need to get a sobriety in ourselves sometimes. There needs to be a gravity sometimes when we come to church. It's not just all fun and games, but there needs to be this weight, this realization. We've got to be saved. I must be saved. There's that song. Whatever you have to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. Above all else, I must be saved. I must be saved. One more time. I feel, the, I feel God's talking to somebody right now. Just please, everybody, be respectful.